When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jurassic Park. Do you know what the movie has that the book doesn't? Oh, do I know what the movie has that the book doesn't? Mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum, that's the exact answer. That is the correct answer. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 221 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm excited. We're going to get some fun stuff we're doing today. We are. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, you? we can. Um, so we are talking about Westworld, and yeah. we're going to have some Westworld read-alikes. Uh, fair warning, there may be some spoilers. I was actually just going to say, I was thinking through this. We can maybe... Oh, we can do the books first. I was then... saying... That's what I was thinking is maybe like we'll give a really quick snippet of like, here's what Westworld is about for people who don't watch it and take like a minute to explain the show, do some real likes and then tell people after the read likes like, oh, my voice just cracked. 32 year old. Cool. Um, after we do the read likes, we can tell people like, all right, if you want to tune out at this point, we're going to... We have thoughts. Clearly, we don't plan these things. In no, we plan the we plan the episodes so far in advance, like a day ago, two days. I think it was two days ago. We had to wait to record because I didn't watch until last night, which was Tuesday. That is accurate. So, um, okay. So the way this Westworld Rita like list came about um, last year during season one, when it got very popular, Jill made. A collection in Marketplace for our librarians to go in and purchase some stuff. I love that list. So I put that, I made a version of it for Overdrive.com for our readers to be able to access and sample books. So if you go into the uh, show notes here, you can get right to the Read Alikes list so you can see everything we're going to talk about. Uh, I just pulled like five of them that I'll talk about and I, you can kind of scroll pick whichever ones you want as well we'll go back and forth like we usually do for the monthly ones but um it's a big list there's all sorts of stuff in there so we'll just kind of pick some ones out that we are very interested in sound good yeah yeah but again there's a if you go in our show notes there's a we'll link to every book we talk about like always but also we'll just we'll link to the whole collection so you can pick and choose for yourself if there aren't if nothing we talk about strikes your fancy yeah sounds good okay so i did i grabbed five that really jump out to me. Some of them I've read, some of them I haven't. Um, did you grab some, or, or do you want to... I'm just going to wing it. Okay. Do you want to start? I'll by... start. I think 
the most okay. So for those who aren't, well, we were gonna say we we're gonna talk about Westworld. It's okay. It's all it's all gonna work. So Westworld, for those who don't know, um, it, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. So, <laughs> so I knew nothing about Westworld prior to season one. I knew nothing. I just kept seeing the previews on HBO. I was like, I have no idea what the show's about, but it seems like something I would like. Um, plus, it's Jonathan Nolan, and the Nolan brothers are just awesome. So, we're starting to watch the show, and the show it's it's a in the first couple, like the first minute, there's a guy on a train going somewhere and um there are other people on the train chatting and i ha- i'm not even kidding you again i have no idea what the rules about but in that moment i thought you know what would be a really interesting idea what if people go and visit like a park and the animatronics don't know they're animatronics <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah, that's what Westworld is about. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> so it is a park. It's a park that is um, staffed basically by AIs who don't know that they're AIs. Like, this is just their life. They live in this. It's a Western theme. This is where they live. Um, and then people come and visit this park. I, and um, the AIs, of course, start to get sentient. And so that's basically yeah. That's the best way without spoiling anything. But I did, though. I'm, like, watching this. I was like, that would be a really good idea. What if they don't know? And then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, oh that's what I'm watching right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Michael Crichton beat you to the punch. So that was what was going to be my first book. So, yes, Michael Crichton, this is based on a movie that he had written um, called Westworld way, way back, I think, in the 70s mm-hmm. was when the movie was. So this was his first theme park gone wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Was Westworld. You may notice a theme in his books. Correct. So, in that case, a good read alike, if you have not read it, is actually Jurassic Park um, by Michael Crichton. And, again, that's sort of the whole theme park gone wrong theme, if that's what you like about it, and have somehow not read Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which is good. It's a good book. It goes a lot more... I mean, the movie's good, too, but um, the book... There's a lot more involved in the book. Yeah. The first one I want to talk about is Robopocalypse by Daniel H. Wilson. Uh, The first thing that will jump out to you about this book is the cover is insanely creepy. Um, It's it's a face of a robot that kind of looks like the robots from iRobot, that movie with Will Smith, Uh, except for the fact that the eyes are red and the most unsettling part of the book cover is the eyelashes. Why did they give a robot eyelashes? (laughs) Oh, it's so unsettling. Upsettling. upsettling? Jeez. Unsettling. Yeah, I don't think that's a word. Whoever wrote the, whoever made the cover of this, good job. Uh, so it's a book that is set in the not-too-distant future. Um, this is actually one that I, I have read. It's the, it's very much kind of a, a somewhat standard science fiction novel in the sense that they have artificial intelligence and they have robots, and robots end up, you know, kind of taking over and and fighting back against the people who made them. Uh, there's a couple things that make it a little bit different, though. One, uh, the artificial intelligence is very, like, childlike, but incredibly, incredibly powerful, so it doesn't really understand consequences and things. It also doesn't really care what it's doing. But the cool part about this book is it's told as a oral history, um, so all the people who are telling the story are this like international cast of survivors after what's called zero hour, which was when the robots all attacked. That's what they call it. 
Um, and it's all of the survivors kind of going through their confrontations and how it, they're surviving. Um, it's almost like The Walking Dead, but robots. Um, it's probably a decent way to describe it. If my previous description was terrible for you. <laughs> sure. But if nothing else, look at the take two seconds to look at the cover. It's so unsettling. It's it's an unsettling. And once you see the eyelashes, you will, your eyes. I don't are... think I've noticed it. And now I'm worried to go look because I don't want to not be able to. Not I can't. It. Every time I look at the cover, I that, that's what I notice. Uh, okay, so I have Player Piano by Kurt Vonnegut. This is his first novel. Was this on your list? Just no, it's just it's so funny because it's very on the nose with Westworld things. It is, right. So if you're like me, one of your favorite parts about Westworld, maybe my most favorite part, is the music. Yeah, this isn't a, that's not a spoiler. No, you that's can't. not a spoiler. No, the cool thing about the music is that um, it's fun, um, done by the same composer who does all of Game of Thrones music. So you know you're in for good stuff. But um, there's a player piano in the saloon in Westworld. Only the player piano plays contemporary music sometimes. It's Com- really... Con- it, contemporary to our world. Um, like, there was... Oh God. Radiohead was, was one. Radiohead. Um, I know um, Painted Black by the Rolling Stones was one. Um, Amy Winehouse last year. That was very good. That was very good. Um, the promos for this year had... Um, uh, heart shaped box by Nirvana. So, um, but it's it's player piano style. So, this is Kurt Vonnegut's first novel, and it tells the tale of engineer Paul who must find a way to live in a world dominated by a supercomputer and run completely by machines, which is sort of kind of in line with it is. It's very a little on the nose, um, and it looks at a world that's almost entirely automated which much of Westworld is and just the idea of this the mechanics and, and how all of this kind of um, gets created and and that's one of my favorite things about the in particular the opening um, the credits for Westworld you sort of see how the AIs get built yeah basically it's... and it's a different sequence this time like the yeah. second season is it's a new one and it features different things so. i have thoughts on the i do too yeah we'll get to that in our spoilery section at the end i have thoughts on the the intro for the second season uh my next one is unburied carol by josh mailerman mallerman one of the two uh so the main character's name is carol evers this book's really good guys um it's kind of like horror and western mixed together uh, the main character, Carol Evers, uh, she is a type of person who has died many, many times. Um, but they're not really actual, like, deaths. They're deep, deep comas, and um, she can't really remember what happens when she gets, when that happens. So, uh, Man, that's so good. Yeah. For Westworld, I mean. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you were the one who put this on the list originally. I just didn't talk I about did it. not put that one. Somebody must have updated it. Maybe I did it. You might have done it. Because oh, that so... just came out this year. Or it's coming out. I don't even think it's out yet. <laughs> um, I read it, so... Well, you may have... Good point. Good point. Sorry, okay. Uh, so there's only two people that know about our condition. Um, one of them is her husband. And her husband, Dwight. Uh, married... Oh, no, it came, it came out this month. Okay. Okay. Uh, so her, her husband kind of married her for her money. And when she lapses into one of these kind of death comas um he decides to bury her alive so super uncomfortable the whole time basically then the rest of the book is her trying to get out of this situation um 
and it is it's like a creepy sleeping beauty um burying being buried alive that is one of buried being buried alive and super deep water those things like make my skin crawl so this is a very good book um also a good cover on that one too so that's unbury carol by josh mailerman um I would be remiss if I didn't mention The Gunslinger by yeah. Stephen King. So that may be a little, that's a little obvious one, but I got to throw it on there. Yeah. One. Gunslinger. That's okay. I have I have kind of an obvious one too that I wanted to talk about. It's True Grit. Oh, yeah. That was going to be that one. Charles yeah. Portis. Yeah, Charles Portis. Um, you may have seen the movie, the, the recent movie that came out with Jeff Bridges or the original that came out with John Wayne. Both are spectacular. They actually both won Academy Awards, which is pretty awesome. Um, but it is, it focuses more on the Western part of Westworld as opposed to kind of the AI and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, it tells the story of, uh, Maddie Ross. Uh, she's 14 years old and this coward, uh, Tom Chaney, uh, kills her father. And so she tracks down this guy named Rooster Cogburn, who is just this grumpy old kind of U.S. Marshal guy to help track down her father's killer. So good. And watch both movies. They're both really good, too. Um, I'm going to admit, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this one, but it's, I think it's Reamed, R-E-A-M-D-E. Sounds right. Re- I don't know. Neil Stevenson. Um, this is about a, a wealthy tech entrepreneur who is caught in the very real crossfire of his own online fantasy war game. So, you know, in Westworld, there is um, the creator of Westworld, uh, Robert uh, Ford, who is played by Anthony Hopkins. Who doesn't love Anthony Hopkins? He's great. Um, But, you know, he starts to realize that um, he's in a very difficult position where this world is sort of starting to become its own thing that he had not prepared for. Or had he? Or, well, that's a fair question. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, my next one is The Blinds by Adam Sternberg. Uh, this is a, this one I haven't read, but uh, so I'm just going to read the uh, like very beginning of the introduction for you. Imagine a place populated by criminals, people plucked from their lives with their memories altered, who've been granted new identities and a second chance. Welcome to The Blinds, a, t- a dusty town in rural Texas populated by misfits, who don't know if they've perpetrated a crime or just witnessed one. Uh, what's clear to them is if they leave, they're going to end up dead. Uh, so that's kind of the how it ends up being set for the reader. And then uh, in this area, there is a suicide and a murder right back to back, and everyone kind of starts revolting. And then it's up to this sheriff, this Calvin Cooper, to kind of keep the peace and help figure out what happened. So, the Blinds by Adam Sternberg. My my last one is The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. Uh, this darkly comic Western-inspired story takes place in Oregon in California, 1859. The narrator, Eli's sisters and his brother, Charlie sisters, are assassins that are sent to kill Herman Kermit Warm, an ing- uh, ingenious and likable man who's accused of stealing from the sisters' fearsome boss, the Commodore. So it's sort of a series of adventures in um, Western... Um, which has been called the most original Western since the Coen brothers reinterpreted True Grit. True Grit. So. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, my last one is How to Survive a Robot Uprising by Daniel H. Wilson. So this is nonfiction. It's very funny. Um, it helps the reader answer questions like, how do you spot a robot who's mimicking a human? Or how do you, rec- how do you recognize uh, and deactivate a rebel servant robot? Um, basically, it's designed to be funny, but also it's based on like these long interviews that the author had with prominent scientists who work with cutting-edge robotics and um, basically it's very funny but it's like a genuinely good introduction to robotics and and thinking about them as we kind of move forward so it's very funny um, but you also learn a whole bunch about robotics and how what they're capable of already so that's how to survive a robot uprising it's very fun yeah, so those are our Westworld read-alikes. There are way more on the list, so that's going to be linked in the show notes. Um, so if you, A, don't watch Westworld and don't care, or B, watch Westworld but aren't cut up, you should probably turn off now and yep. come back on Monday for our author interview because we're going to do some Westworld spoilers. Here we go. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So season two came back. Um, first off, you mentioned that they changed the intro. They did. It's very like mother daughtery. It is. Well, okay. So there, I have two thoughts about that. Um, the first is that I did not notice this. Somebody else, I saw this in one of the many reviews I was reading on um, Monday. That in the first one, you see a couple getting it on. And so now you have sort of the second season. Now we have a mother and a daughter, sort mm-hmm. of that story. And also that at the very end um, of the credits, where you see the figure in the whatever. The Circle Truvian, thingy. Yeah, like the Truvian Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a female this time. Oh, I didn't notice that. I did not either. But I we watched it again last night. And um, I was paying attention, and I was like, oh, I think, I do believe that is a female. So do we think that's supposed to represent Dolores to kind of, like, be... Uh, You know, I think it's interesting, because I think last season, a lot of it was sort of, you know... All right, let me think how to phrase this. Um, A lot of what we saw was... We saw Dolores and Maeve through... A very male gaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this time around, clearly Maeve and Dolores are sort of front and center. Um, and then the other one whose name I always forget, the actress who's married to Elon Musk. What's her name? Um, she plays the other, uh, the blonde. Um, oh, who was in like the first episode and then not until the end, that one? The girl who was like the she was, steward? She helped, yes. Yeah, she, she was like the steward in the first episode of episode one or, or season episode, one. Uh, season episode two of season one, where she helps William pick all of this stuff out. Right. Um, you know, so I I do think this is maybe going to be more catered to seeing this from their perspective now versus the male gaze, which was very much in season one. Oh, I yeah, absolutely agree, and especially because you know Dolores and Maeve are the two currently with all you know the power, and also Tessa Thompson's character whose name I can't remember, but she's Tessa Thompson, and she's wonderful. Um, 
There's just so many like the I um like no like what I love about Westworld even more so than I love about like Game of Thrones is like with Game of Thrones <clears throat> something will happen and it will be very ominous and you'll be like oh that's gonna come back and some that's that's obviously supposed to be foreshadowing um but with Westworld like there's these little tiny things that if you notice they mean so much so like for with the Man in Black when he put he there's this scene in in the premiere of season two when he has just survived like an attack from uh i can't remember the name of the character but he's just attack. he just survived an attack from some of the hosts and he goes and he like fixes his arm because he's got shot and he puts on his hat that's like representing he's like he's still the man in black and there's this like real subtle smile that Ed Harris does. And like that entire smile to me represents like he's aware, like, okay, he's excited because this game is actually like, real. There are real stakes for him now. Okay, so I wanna liken this to Zelda. Um Yes. So I, I play Breath of the Wild, which is trust me, this is all gonna make sense. Uh <laughs> I played Breath of the Wild, um, the Zelda game, and you can buy an expansion pack, essentially, which gives you um, something called master mode, which is where the essentially the monsters are kind of leveled up, but Link is not. So you play the normal mode, um, and it's it's an open world game. You can just kind of do whatever you want to do or not do, and you know you don't even have to go fight anybody. But then in master mode, it's the same game, but all the monsters have leveled up their powers and you know, are, can kill you more often. So that is what I feel like season two is. Season two, at least for Ed Harris's character, the man in black, this is like master mode because there mm-hmm. are, there are real stakes. Um, the AIs have essentially leveled up in, you know, video game terms. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And he really has, like, now it's a lot harder for him. And, and he's, this is what, like, this is what he's here for. He is here for master mode. Yeah, I he absolutely is. Um, I love Ed Harris so much, and also like when you put Ed Harris in a movie or a show, it's always assumed like, oh, Ed Harris is the villain because he's Ed Harris. But you don't know with this, and there's this. I also we're gonna obviously jump around all over the place. Um, it feels like to me like there's definitely multiple timelines again in this season, right? I, I think believe much there are three. There are three that I have identified, or there will be three, based on previews for the upcoming okay. rest of the season. I could only tell two. I can't... I'm not sure if the third one is... is So, yeah. So, there is... From what I've seen, there is the aftermath immediately after the incident at the end of season one. where So, master mode. There's master mode. That's, like, the stuff immediately after when everyone's yeah. trying to survive. And Bernard is still passed out. We, well... We well, sorry, continue. Go. So there's like right after the end of season one, um and they're trying to figure out what to do in the immediate hours right after that. Then there is a second timeline that is I think like ten two, eight, two, two weeks, weeks later. later. Yeah. Um, now that they have been rescued and they're trying to figure out what is happening. In the previews, they show William from way back. If you watch the previews for the updates, they? they do. Okay. So there's at least going to be three at some point. There's where William at least shows up for one episode. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so my and so what I'm thinking is that based on the previews, is that um, it looks like maybe they're going to show what led up to the original incident that they talked about. But that's a guess. I have no idea. Yeah. 
I wonder how much they're going to fight. I mean, obviously, we're in season two, and there's them sh- this show could run for as long as they want it to. Um, I wonder how much, if they're ever going to flesh out, like, how all this came to be and, like, like where, like, you know, I'm just, I'm always curious. Like, I think that the best way for a show like this is to leave you continuously guessing and wanting more even after it's done. But um, I'm very curious to see if they ever flesh out everything. Something I do want to point out, just being inordinately creepy, is there is a scene... With Bernard and who said Tessa Thompson's name is Angela? No, Tessa Thompson's name is Charlotte. Okay. I was thinking of Tallulah Riley, who yes. plays Angela, the other AI. Gotcha. Okay, yes. Now I know what you're talking about. Charlotte and Bernard are in like this underground secret area where there's uh, all sorts of communication devices and stuff. And there are two drones that are like basically scaled back versions of the hosts, but they don't have bodies or faces and they are just like unnecessarily creepy, which I know that that's for a reason, but I try try to put myself in like a real, like put myself in that in the show where like they're creating these drones and like someone looked at that and was like, yeah, that's how we should have them look. Yeah. It's faceless men. Faceless. Yeah. They were, they were a little creepy. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite part of the episode or since you've watched it a couple times now? Yes, I love when Maeve and Hector are reunited. <laughs> I I love Maeve and Hector. They are my favorite forever and ever and ever. I love that he's just like totally fine with with, with her abandoning me immediately. It's like, yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, Maeve and Hector. But I so I think that whole dynamic with Maeve and and Lee, who's the writer, writer, quote unquote, of the park. Um, I just, I, I love everything about that entire subplot that's happening. But <laughs> it cracks me up when, when Maeve and Hector reunite and Hector's like, what do we do with him? And she's like, man, we'll keep him around. <laughs> He's like a little pet. <laughs> but yeah. I, like follow her home. Well, and like, that's what you, when you were talking about the, all of the like power being in the, on the, from the women's point of view now, that's, I think that's a really great way to show that is like, he make she makes him, like, take off all of his clothes, just yep. like they made all of the hosts do. And, like, like I said, keep him around like a pet, like, basically controlling him because she has all the power. Yep. Um, the thing that I was giggling about most is there's a new character in this season, and it's played by Gustav Skarsgård, who is a Skarsgård brother, obviously, with Bill and all of Alexander, all of them. Uh, Gustav Skarsgård plays Floki in Vikings, and he's wonderful in it. And he has all of his scenes with um, the guy who is, like, the head of the security. And the guy who's the head of security is a, is a Helmsworth. So I was yeah. just, uh, my wife and I were just laughing because the, Scar- the Skarsgård family, the father is Stellan, who is in Goodwill Hunting and the Pirates of the Caribbean. He has, like, nine sons, and, heck, more than half of them are acting. And then the same thing with the Helmsworth brothers. Like, all of them are acting. I was like... These two families, it just made me giggle. I'm like, oh my god, dude, look at you guys. I know. I enjoyed that, so. Good stuff. Um, are there other things you want to talk about about Westworld? I can let you keep going. I'm still Probably. processing from I know. yesterday. I'm still processing. There's a lot. It's some good stuff. I, how much, so one of the big things about this season is they're going to Shogun, Shogun World. Oh, that's, okay, so that actually I think, well, Thank you now that you brought that up. Yeah, so 
it was alluded to a lot in season one that there are other worlds that Westworld is a part of a much larger ecosystem of parks. I believe there are six. So yeah, so we saw the Shogun World, right? Well, so, in well the, they see in the trailer in for the, trailers, the upcoming yeah. weeks, you see that, and that was going to be one of my questions: is like how much? And also, there's a Bengal tiger that's right, dead tiger. in Westworld. Um, my thought, my question for you is like, how much of it do you think? Like, do you think that'll be towards the end, and that's where they leave, or do you think we'll actually spend a fair amount of time there? Because the one you see in the trailer for the upcoming is Maeve, and First, she has to go. Her current quest is to find her daughter. So I'm just curious so how much we'll get. So this is actually one of my questions is that when she, you know, she's off to find her daughter. She knows it's not really her daughter, but in her memories, it's her daughter. Um, and she's given the location and it's Park One mm-hmm. and then Sector whatever section. Do we think Park One is Westworld or is that another park? I, you know, because I, so my question is, do we think they kind of, so we know they move the hosts, hosts around yeah. within Westworld. Do we think they move them within the, all the parks? I think they do because there was, um, I think they do. And I just from like a, I was going to say from a practicality standpoint, but we're talking about a show that has an entire park full of realistic artificial intelligence. Um, I think they probably do. So, it's possible her daughter may be someplace else, but I can't imagine them, like, in my mind, if I were them, there would be six or seven seasons, and each one would focus on a different world, so I feel like they're not going to show us multiple, like, I think they're going to show us Shogun World this year, and, like, tease a third world next year. Right. Because that feels, like, too perfect of a layout for them not to use, but, um, so I don't know, I think that her daughter might be some. Maybe her daughter is in that Shogun world, and that's World One or episode, you know season Park One, um, and that's how she ends up there. But I'm not sure. I I don't know. I, like I said, that, this is one of those shows that HBO is so good at this. It's like it's not just about creating a show that makes you want to watch the show. It's we're recording this on Wednesday. It's three days later. We're still talking about it. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I just I don't know. There's like what. Because I, I remember one of the things I liked about Lost, I always, when it came to describing Lost in terms of seasons, it was like rings in a puddle when you skip rocks. Um, you start with the middle ring, and then the second season, it gets a little bit bigger, and then the third season. So this world keeps expanding like rings um, in a pond, and, I, and I'm wondering if that's sort of the approach they're going to take with this, where with each season, maybe it gets a little bit bigger, and we see yeah. sort of like, you know, this... The, the bigger world of what this society, not like what this current version of wherever we are, you know, outside of the park, not just in the park, but like, because obviously, like, if, again, if the previews, it looked like, may, like, Dolores wants to get out. Like, she wants to leave. Right. And it looks like she maybe does. Yeah. Get out, out. Um, right. Well, and I mean, I feel like they have to answer those questions about, like, what Delos, the company, is doing, because... That's the thing. Like, if you are just a company, like, if, as a company, like, full stop, they're already worth billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. So, clearly, it's not just about making money. They are, there's something else going on where it's, they're trying to take over the world or whatever it is they're trying to do. Because, like, the, there's just, there has to be something nefarious going on because if it was just about making money, they would just continue with the status quo and they wouldn't 
be constantly. Oh no, they're definitely doing some interference. That's why Charlotte has this whole like little lab beneath the right. park that nobody else seems to know about. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm very excited. It, the first episode, I feel like, helped kind of. It's what most first episodes of HBO shows do. It's like sets the stage and kind of reminds you where everyone's at. And then they like after about an hour and ten minutes of a show, I'm like that was pretty good. And then they show you that like two minute trailer for the rest of the season. You're like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Super on board. For pretty this, much. So. Yeah. Okay. I loved it. It was good stuff. Um, are there other things that you want to talk about today? No. Um, yep. There's one more thing I want to mention, and we can talk about it in a uh, later episode because it's going to be happening all through spring and summer. But um, PBS is doing this thing called The Great American Read, which they're celebrating America's 100 most beloved novels, uh, like voted on by, by readers and pro- literary professionals and things like that. And then they're going to do a whole bunch of specials on PBS about different genres that are involved and different books and all sorts of stuff. And they're going to have a vote. Uh, so that they can kind of figure out America's favorite novel. Uh, so if you go to overdrive.com and scroll to the bottom, we have a collection of all the books on there. And we can talk about it later at, you know, a little bit more in depth. And I have a lot of feelings about The Great American Read. I do too. Um, but we can get into all that later. But just, if nothing else, definitely go to overdrive.com and, and check out the collection. And then you can also just Google it and see some more information on PBS. There's some cool stuff there. So um, I also have thoughts. We can get into those later. But that's that's a cool list to at least look at. I think that's everything. Yeah, except I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, we forgot all of our where to find us stuff. Go to professionalbooknerds.com. We launched it. Thousands of people have gone, which is awesome. So thank you. Keep doing that. We'll be sure to do that at the beginning of episodes. Moving on. Moving forward. So Awkward. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Just Google professional book nerds. You'll find like so many different ways to find us. Now. That's probably accurate as well. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed some of our ranting and the books that we talked about beforehand. Um, that's all for today on Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.